Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. It's time for another solo episode. It's just me, Scott, talking to you tonight in what will probably be the final episode or one of the final episodes for this summer, not the final episode of the podcast, so don't worry about that. Uh, But uh, there's a lot going on with the hosts of the show, vacations coming up, and it's just going to be difficult over the next few weeks to get episodes recorded. So we wanted to uh, get an episode out to you uh, before those vacations begin, and that's what this is. And uh, for those of you who have been listening to us for a long time, and for those of you who are new to the show, you may be aware that much of what we talk about here on the podcast is about stuff that we love, hence the name of the show, Stuff We Love Podcast. And we talk about theme parks, music, movies, sports, video games, TV shows, and more. Uh, And we're going to talk about that stuff tonight, I promise you. But I wanted to begin the episode just by saying a few words about something I experienced recently, because I felt it's a good idea to share it with you. Uh, I've become friends with some of you through the podcast, and uh, I thought it would just be a good opportunity to tell you about what I went through over the past week or so. So uh, I was fully vaccinated against COVID, and yet I got a breakthrough infection. I tested positive for COVID-19 and um, had an infection despite being fully vaccinated. And I got to tell you, it's weird when you are fully vaccinated to get a positive test result. Uh, because uh, you're vaccinated and you just attribute any symptoms you may be experiencing to something other than the virus. So here's what happened. I uh, woke up recently with a slight fever, 100.8 was the temperature, and I had cold-like symptoms, stuffy nose, maybe a bit of a headache, I really don't remember, a little bit of throat congestion, I suppose. And I said, you know what? I'll just get tested. There's this Delta variant going around. I know it's more contagious. Just to be on the safe side, I'll get tested. So I went and I got both a rapid test and a PCR test. The PCR, for those that don't know, is the more accurate test, even though the rapid is also very accurate. And um, they told me that with the rapid test, they would get back to me within a half hour or so. So I take the test. And I get in my car, I come home, and I'm sitting there watching the TV, and the phone rings. I had the test done at the CVS testing site. And the person that called me says, you are positive for COVID. And it it was shocking. I couldn't believe it. I said, are you kidding me? I, I I really couldn't believe it. Although I think deep down inside, I suspected that I was, in fact, going to be positive. Um, They said, you have to quarantine for 10 days. and you may want to call your physician and so forth, which I did. I knew that being vaccinated uh, offered good protection against what I was experiencing from turning into a more serious illness or landing me in the hospital or worse. So that brought me comfort, but still there's anxiety, and I, I really couldn't believe it. Over the next 10 days, I spent a lot of time in my basement, and really consumed a lot of pop culture. And that's what I'm going to be talking about on tonight's episode. I was going to say a little bit about about the movies I watched, the TV shows I watched, the music I listened to, books I read, and all that stuff. And we'll get to that in a moment. But fortunately, I had what I think could best be described as a mild case. 
uh, I had mild symptoms. They were cold-like symptoms. At its worst, I would say what I experienced felt like a bad cold. The fever really didn't stick around that long. Maybe after a day or two, it was gone. The cold-like symptoms stuck around longer. So I had stuffy nose, ear clogging, uh, I guess a, a little bit of a scratchy throat. Didn't really experience aches. I did experience loss of taste and smell. I don't know whether or not that was attributable to the COVID or the fact that I had a congestion because when I have a congestion, I usually lose my sense of taste and smell. Uh, but it really wasn't bad. I'm doing better than I had been. The symptoms are pretty much all gone. I'm still not 100% better, but I'm significantly better. And uh, I fell into the category of breakthrough infections. And um, there's a lot of people out there experiencing it. You have multiple cases recently with the New York Yankees. You have people in uh, politics who are experiencing breakthrough infections, staffers and so forth, and uh, Olympic athletes as well who have arrived in Tokyo for the Olympic Games, the Summer Olympics, who are testing positive despite being fully vaccinated. Every day, it seems, there's more reports of these breakthrough cases. Uh, But like I said a moment ago, I really do credit the vaccine for protecting me from severe illness. Uh, I'm very grateful that I was able to recuperate at home. And honestly, if there was no COVID in the world, I would just tell people I had a cold. I would say to those of you who are vaccinated, if you do experience cold-like symptoms, go and get tested. It seems like many of the breakthrough cases out there are people who are experiencing the, uh, the, cold, uh, the cold-like symptoms. That's a telltale sign, it seems, for what could be a breakthrough infection. Um, and I encourage all of you to get vaccinated. Not only does it protect others, it protects yourself from a worse outcome should you get COVID-19. And this Delta variant really is extremely, extremely contagious. Um, that's what I went through recently. So I had a breakthrough infection. Uh, it's been a difficult summer for me in multiple ways. We had to say goodbye to our dog earlier in the month, and then we got this bre- I got this breakthrough infection. So needless to say, I am looking forward to vacation and getting away for a little bit. I think it's going to be very, very good. Um, but let's turn to what I consumed during the uh, quarantine period, because I did have the opportunity to watch a lot and listen to some stuff and read. And uh, I thought it'd be a good idea here on this final episode of the summer to just share that with you. Because I, again, the, the Testing positive for COVID uh, is not the type of thing we would normally talk about here on the show. I did think it was important to discuss it, but now I'm going to talk about what we normally discuss on the show, which is the the stuff we love. Uh, Jack, my co-host, was unable to join. Joe was unable to join. A bunch of the other guys and gals that normally come on the show just didn't work out tonight, so it's just me. And let's begin by uh, talking about the fact that while I was quarantined, I finished watching season one of Loki on Disney+. And that may, I really don't have much to say about it because I truly don't have a good understanding of what I was even watching. Uh, it seems like multiple people that I talked to about Loki, I, we can't even really converse about the show because it doesn't seem like anyone really understands the plot. When talking about Loki, the comments always revolve around, it's fun to watch, the characters are fun, it's cool in its design, it's a stylish show, it's unique, it's not like anything Marvel has done before, all of which I would agree with and is accurate in my opinion, 
But uh, from a plot perspective, whenever you get to time travel, at least for me, I'm completely lost. I, cr- I really couldn't tell you what happened in the show. Uh, that being said, I enjoyed watching it. So I don't have much to say beyond that about Loki, uh, but I did enjoy it. So I finished that. Then um, I spent a lot of time watching Pluto TV. Now, I've talked about Pluto TV here on the podcast before, but for those that aren't familiar, let me tell you a little bit about it now. Pluto TV is a free app. It's available on your phone, on your iPad, on your streaming TV, ser- uh, t- streaming TV devices, and so forth. And it's a collection of, really, TV channels. And they break their stations into different categories. So you have a news category, a sports category, a classic TV category, music category, movies, and so forth. And they also have an extensive on-demand library. Several of their channels are devoted to individual TV shows. So, for example, there's an all-Baywatch channel, an all-Munsters channel, all-Happy Days. What I spent a lot of time watching during my quarantine period was actually the all-Love Boat channel. Now, the Love Boat, for our younger fans, they may not be familiar with this, was a very, very popular TV show that, if I recall correctly, used to be on uh, on Saturday evenings on ABC, along with the show Fantasy Island. They represented the dual programming for Saturday nights for ABC. I think it was Saturday nights. And it, to me, it's a cheesy show. It takes place aboard a cruise ship, and each episode is its own set of stories. So, And you may have three or four storylines happening simultaneously within the same episode. But every episode is kind of like a vacation. You have this insanely catchy theme song, which I love and never got tired of. And then at the beginning of each episode, the cruise is getting ready to depart. Guests are arriving. Cruise staff are welcoming the guests onto the ship. And then over the next hour, the storylines develop. And there's usually dancing scene, dining scene, uh, scenes that take place on the deck. Uh, and the main characters are the captain, who was played by the late Gavin McLeod, uh, the purser, who was played, I'm going to look up now as I'm doing this. It's one of the uh, benefits of doing a solo show. You could take a look at whatever you want. Fred Grandy played the purser, the purser on the ship. Uh, he went on to be a congressman, very interestingly. Bernie Capel played the ship physician. Lauren Tews played the ship's cruise director. And Ted Lang was the ship's bartender. Jill Whelan later joined the show as captain, uh, the captain's daughter. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to watch. It's one of those feel-good, lighthearted entertainment programs that I really enjoy. Uh, it's far-fetched and not really realistic, but... I just watched Loki. For, you know, so, so once you watch Loki, you, you can't complain that the love boat may be unrealistic. Um, a cool thing about the love boat is that many very, very famous guest stars were on the episodes. Movie stars, some of the biggest in the world, would appear on episodes. And what I kind of noticed, even in the time I was in quarantine, is that you may have a guest star be in one episode in a certain role, and that same person would reappear in another episode... <coughs> <clears throat> excuse me, in another role. So you had the same people playing multiple roles within the show. But I grew up watching The Love Boat. It's a longtime favorite. And I love the fact that Pluto TV has a 24-7 streaming channel devoted to it. Also on the Paramount Plus streaming service, they have every season available, which is really cool. So we got Loki. We got The Love Boat. I'm making my way also on Amazon Prime through the show The Boys. 
The Boys is a superhero show. It just finished its second season. A third season is on the way. It is not your Marvel DC Comics type superhero show. It is a much more adult-oriented program with foul language and sex and crazy violence. I don't think you see the, the t- you definitely don't see the type of violence in that you see in the boys. Uh, you don't see that on Marvel in Marvel movies or DC comics movies. Um, I believe it's based on a graphic novel, but don't quote me on that. And uh, I'm making my way through season two. I enjoy it. It's a, it's a very riveting program with a good cast. Uh, if you like superhero movies and you're not turned off by adult type entertainment, uh, when I say adult type entertainment, I don't mean that type of adult type entertainment. I just mean violence and foul language and all that. Check it out. It's it's a it's a good show. So I uh, have a couple of episodes left, and I was uh, and that's the boys on Amazon Prime. Another TV show that I've watched is the uh, I guess it's the reboot of Gossip Girl. I remember being a fan of Gossip Girl when it was on Channel in New York. At least it was Channel Eleven. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was just a fun show. Growing up near New York City, I found it particularly fascinating. And then recently it was announced that HBO Max would be having a new Gossip Girl, uh, which a lot of people were skeptical about, but I thought to myself, well, I have to watch this show. And I've been watching it. Um, I don't have too much to say about it now. It's only, as of this recording, two or three episodes in. Uh, I've seen two episodes. There may be a third out. I haven't seen it yet. And really, uh, there is one particular plot point, which I don't want to give away to avoid spoilers, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. And I think other people feel the same way based on some of the comments I've seen on social media. Just absolutely ridiculous. But if you put that plot point to the side, it maintains a lot of what made the original Gossip Girl so much fun and enjoyable. And um, it definitely showcases a side of New York which is uh, at times interesting to watch. Um, the cast seems to be good. The actors and actresses do a good job. Um, I like it. It hasn't necessarily gotten the best reviews, but my instinct is for those that were fans of the original Gossip Girl, they're going to enjoy this as well. Uh, so that's Gossip Girl. Uh, so those were, I guess, the TV shows I watched during the uh, quarantine period. Let's turn now to the book that I finished reading. You may have heard Joe and I from the Joe from the podcast and I talk about our favorite music journalist, who's a guy named Rob Sheffield. He writes for Rolling Stone magazine. He is our favorite journalist because uh, we can relate to his tastes in music. He has written a phenomenal book about the Beatles and his experience as a Beatles fan. It's called Dreaming the Beatles. To me, it's one of the top Beatles books I recommend. I love it. Uh, And he's written a whole bunch of other books related to music and his own life. They're very uh, personal books. He is very upfront and open with his audience. And he's had tragedy in his life, which is uh, very, very sad. Um, And he he gets into that. And he also discusses at length the happy times in his life. And each book has a heavy... um, Dose of Music Commentary, and the book that I finished reading during the quarantine period is called Turnaround Bright Eyes, A Karaoke Journey into the Mysteries of Music, Love, and the Universe. And as the title of the book suggests, it was about Rob Sheffield's karaoke experiences. He's been singing karaoke for years, and as someone who's never done karaoke, uh, I was actually, I I still enjoyed the book. I, I liked hearing about his 
time singing and what it's like at different locations. Uh, you really got a sense you were there with him as he and his uh, friends performed in these karaoke venues. And it, it went beyond just the simple karaoke discussion. It went into a discussion of his personal life after the loss of his first wife, his uh, meeting the lady that ultimately would become his second wife, his living in New York around the time of 9-11, and um, different thoughts about the various characters in music history, whether it be Rod Stewart or the Beatles. Uh, all of that's in there. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed everything he's written. He also had a terrific book that came out, um, I guess, after the death of David Bowie called On Bowie, which is phenomenal. And um, he's very well known for his book, Love is a Mixtape, which is an amazing read. And he also has a book, Talking to Girls About Duran Duran. <laughs> so I, uh, I really recommend Rob Sheffield's work. And he still writes for Rolling Stone. He's on the Rolling Stone Now podcast uh, always offering great commentary. He's a, additionally a huge Taylor Swift fan, so it's very cool to be able to listen to a music journalist and read the work of a music journalist who will praise both the Beatles and Taylor Swift. If uh, you've listened to the show, you know we're fans of both here on the podcast. Um, I met him, Rob Sheffield. He's an ex extremely nice guy. So uh, that was the book I finished reading. For my Stuff We Love recommendation, at the end of the podcast here, I'll get into the book that I have started reading. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's discuss now uh, the movies that I watched during quarantine. And there were quite a few. Um, shortly before quarantine began and then through the quarantine, I watched all three movies that represented the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. There was Fear Street Part 1, 1994, Fear Street Part 2, 1978, and Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Now, the Fear Street movies are based on the book series by R.L. Stein. Stein, of course, famously wrote the Goosebumps series. And uh, I thought when these movies came out that what they were going to be was really a teenage-type horror series where it would be perhaps a little scary, but nothing beyond what you would see on screen in something like Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer. Well, with the very first movie, Fear Street Part 1, 1994, I can tell you that my prediction was very much off the mark. It was one of the most brutal horror films I've seen in a long time. Um, the film, it's not worth getting into the plot. I encourage all of you, if you're fans of horror movies and fans of Halloween Horror Nights, as we are here on the podcast, to check it out. But it deals with a series of uh, murders that take place in a particular town and what the murders can be traced back to. The films are all linked together, so to watch the part one, part two, and part three is a very complete cinematic experience. Um, there's one scene towards the end of part one which was among the most gory and intense scenes I've ever watched in a horror movie. I won't give it away here. If you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. After watching the movie, I went on Twitter and did a search specifically to see if people were commenting about that scene. And sure enough, they were. Joe went and watched Fear Street Part 1 the other night, and he said that at the very moment he watched that scene, he knew it was what I had referenced to him in a previous conversation. So uh, with all that being said, if you like horror movies, I strongly encourage you to watch the Fear Street series. I could be wrong about this, but it seems that over the years in the summertime, there's always really good horror movies that come out. We, of course, associate horror movies with the Halloween season with good reason, but summertime to me is a great 
time of the year to watch horror movies, and Fear Street definitely fit the bill uh, this summer. So I watched that. Then I watched a documentary on Hulu called Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, which focused on a festival that took place in Harlem in 1969 called the Harlem Cultural Festival. This, of course, took place the same summer as Woodstock, which uh, 1969, uh, but just didn't really get the same attention. And the footage that was filmed at this festival, it seemed like the whole thing was filmed, but had never been seen before until now. And I must say, it is a very powerful and remarkable film. The quality of the footage is pristine. It looks great. It sounds great. And um, I found the interviews with the performers and attendees of the festival to be quite emotional and informative. So that Summer of Soul, it's streaming on Hulu. It got tremendous reviews. My guess is it will be nominated for an Oscar in the Best Documentary category next year. But uh, we'll see. Check it out. That's really good. Uh, The other movie I watched during quarantine was on Disney+. Plus. Raya and the Last Dragon. That movie has been available on Disney Plus for quite a while. I just never saw it. It first became available as part of their premiere access, and I didn't pay for it, but I heard good things about it. My my friend Paul, who's been a, a host here on the show many times and is from the Butter and Bacon, the Good Stuff of Disney podcast, uh, spoke very highly of the movie, and I trust his opinion tremendously. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was visually quite stunning. Another uh, A-plus in the book of Disney animation. Uh, good storyline, good voice acting. Um, can't really say if it's one of the best Disney animated films I've seen. Probably doesn't fall into that category. But it's solid. If you like Disney animation, I encourage all of you to see it. And uh, it's no longer available on the Premier Access platform. It's available now to all Disney Plus subscribers. So please check that out. And those were the movies I watched during quarantine. The TV show that I forgot to mention, and I, like I said, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this, is streaming on Hulu. It's going to be streaming in the UK and Ireland, I think, on the Disney Plus there. And it is a six-part documentary series called McCartney 321. And each episode is about 30 minutes, give or take, and features a discussion between Paul McCartney and the legendary music producer Rick Rubin. And there are some very loose themes that represent each episode, but really, to me, it could have all been one three-hour movie. Uh, I think that watching it in 30 segments is good. It makes it uh, very manageable to watch, but it it could probably have been one master movie. And I read that they had over 15 hours or or 15 hours or so uh, filmed footage, which is quite remarkable. Uh, In the documentary series, Rick Rubin asks Paul a series of questions about particular songs, about his experiences with the Beatles and after the Beatles. And what they'll do is they they put on songs. They literally, so, so much of the footage is watching Paul listen to his music. And you really haven't seen something like that before. I've seen Beatles fans post on social media that one of their favorite things about McCartney 321 was watching Sir Paul experience listening to the Beatles music. And he says in the show, he's become a Beatles fan. And I get that. That makes sense to me. Among the songs that they feature are McCartney classics like Yesterday, Here, There, and Everywhere, um, Eleanor Rigby. And when I say McCartney classics, of course, you know, other Beatles are on those tracks, but they are 
if they if those tracks were to be associated with any one member of the group, it would be Paul McCartney. And then he also offers commentary on songs that are more associated with other members of the group, like uh, something written by George Harrison, sung by George Harrison, Come Together, uh, tracks like that. And it's just very fascinating to hear what he listens to when he listens to the song, through the songs, particular instruments that he pays attention to. I think viewers will come out of this documentary with a newfound appreciation for just what goes into a song. We're so used to listening to music, especially Beatles songs, which are so much of our musical fabric, that we may sometimes not break down in our own minds the individual tracks. But I think McCartney 3 to 1, it, it makes you do that, so that you start paying attention to the bass that Paul plays, or the piano that you hear, or Ringo's drumming. It all sort of gives you a greater appreciation for what goes into the music. Um, some of the stories Paul told in the show are stories that longtime Beatles fans have heard him tell before, but there was stuff in there that I never heard before, and I loved it. I made my way through this series in just a couple of days. It was available on July 16th on Hulu, and I finished it within that first weekend. It took me three days to get through everything, and I, I can't recommend it enough, not just for hardcore Beatles fans, but for more casual Beatles fans and more casual music fans. Each episode is very light. It's very easy to watch. It's filmed in black and white, which to me is a plus. It adds style to the show. And uh, really fascinating. So I, um, I can't recommend this enough. As a matter of fact, out of everything I watched during this quarantine period, McCartney 3 to 1 may be the thing that I recommend the most to, to all of you. Then, in terms of music, in addition to listening to the Beatles like I always do, um, the one thing that stands out is I listened again to part of a box set that I got back when I was in college. I remember coming home from college for my first winter break, uh, which would have been, uh, let's see here, I guess fall or winter of 1998. And we were approaching the close of the century. And one of the things that was released was a Stevie Wonder box set called At the Close of a Century or The Century. And it was a four CD box set that came along with a great book and that featured many of the highlights of Stevie Wonder's career. Each disc was phenomenal. I mean, we're talking when it comes to Stevie Wonder about one of the greatest singers and songwriters in the history of music. I don't think that's really debatable at this point. And uh, I went back and I listened to disc one, which represents his earlier work. And of course, we know the hit songs. We know tracks like Uptight, Everything is Alright, For Once in My Life, Um, If You Really Love Me. In terms of Beatles, he did one of the best Beatles covers I've ever heard, a version of We Can Work It Out. That and a bunch of other stuff, it's all on disc one. And it kind of makes me want to go back and listen to the rest of the box set. Uh, So I listened to that and... um, a lot of Beach Boys. Maybe it's because it's summertime. We've been listening to a lot of Beach Boys. There's a great Sirius XM radio station now devoted to the Beach Boys. But um, I mostly watched stuff and didn't listen to stuff uh, when I was uh, stuck in quarantine. And I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, discuss the TV shows, discuss the movies, discuss the book I finished reading, and uh, discuss some of the music I listened to. And uh, all together, that comes to many, many hours of 
um, stuff, of stuff we love. Uh, I tried to do some work in there. I don't know how much I succeeded at that, but um, that's what I did. So um, those are my recommendations to you. And like I said, I'm grateful for the vaccine, grateful that the vaccine helped prevent severe illness in my case. And I encourage all of you, if you have not yet done so, to please get vaccinated for yourself and for others. Um, I was shocked to get that breakthrough case. And um, there's a lot of that going around. But uh, but fortunately, the vast overwhelming majority of those cases are mild. The breakthrough cases, if you've been vaccinated. Uh, so uh, with that being said, I'll now turn to the Stuff We Love segment. Really, most of this episode has been a Stuff We Love segment because I've been giving you recommendations of things that I did during that quarantine period. But I'll mention just a couple of things here. Uh, the first is the book that I started reading after I finished the Rob Sheffield karaoke book. And that is a movie novelization of the great film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out, I guess, two summers ago, summer t- 2019. And the book is written by Quentin Tarantino, who also wrote the screenplay for the film and directed the film. And I'm not too far into it. I'm getting close to 50 pages or so. And I must say, I love it. If you're a fan of Quentin Tarantino, if you like the way that his films are made, if you like the fast-paced dialogue, all of that is present in the book. And if you're a fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the film, I think you will thoroughly enjoy the book. Um, It also is presented in very much of what I would call an old-school paperback type way. It's a relatively physically small book, easy to take with you many places. I'll be likely taking that with me on my vacation coming up. And um, perfect for beach reading, just fits in one hand. And if you see it, you'll know what I mean. It reminds me of the way paperbacks used to be when they were in smaller sizes and easily accessible, just like, like the type of things you'd see at stores and spinning racks, that, that, that type of thing. So that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the novelization by Quentin Tarantino. And then the other recommendation I'll give you is this. If you have streaming music services, in particular Apple Music and or Spotify, if you go to their playlist selection, they will have categories devoted to summer music. This will feature songs that are traditional summertime classics and songs that may be current summer hits, summer jazz, summer bossa nova, summer classical, and so forth. Lots of great stuff on there. Uh, And if you're a fan of music in the summertime, as I am, and I think most people are, uh, check that out. So my Stuff We Love recommendations are the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novelization by Quentin Tarantino and the summer playlists available on streaming music services. And with that being said, let's turn now to where you can find the Stuff We Love podcast on social media. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page and a YouTube page. We're available on all podcast streaming services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and more. We can be reached at StuffWeLovePodcast at gmail.com. And you can visit our official websites at stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com, where you can find links to prior episodes. Uh, So uh, with that being said, thank you for tuning in tonight. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be taking a break now for several weeks this summer. So let me take this opportunity to wish you all well. Uh, Enjoy your summer. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And... uh, Keep on listening to all the things that make you happy and watching the things that make you happy. 
And I look forward to talking to everyone on a future episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. Thanks again. Take care.